Hello and welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I'm super excited to be hosting Mr. S.B. Alger here today. I'm a huge fan of his. And before we get started, I'll tell you a little bit about what I do and what this is about. King Heroes are those strong men out in the community who are doing the against the grain thing. They may have an unpopular voice. They're willing to get out and be seen and heard for something that might be a little bit uh, off the track and certainly leading others to a place of greater freedom, greater awareness, and greater sovereignty. So I help those king heroes. I also help merpreneurs or, or mermaids to build businesses out of their life purpose, sometimes to find their purpose in the first place and often to help them survive it as well because kings do in fact crash on the path. So Mr. Sean B. Alger, I'm so excited to host you here. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you, Beth, for inviting me. So. Nice. What do you prefer, Sean or SB? I've heard um, people you do call both. Me Sean. The, the story yeah. behind SB is that when I was young and aspiring to learn creative writing, I told myself if I ever really pursued any uh, publishing type work that I would be pretentious like my favorite authors and use my first and middle initial. And it was also my nickname, you know, my grandmother who's passed away, who was a really wily, crazy, like top character, that was her nickname for me was SB. So, yeah. Ah, I love it's it. It's, it's very visual. SB is, is the only real nickname I've ever had, but either one is fine, you know. Nice. Most people don't know it about me, but my first name is Victoria. And at some points I uh, started using V-Beth as a, you know, very like, oh, I'm the vice president, V-Beth. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Martin. So yeah, I get it. Oh, that's so, funny. So your initials would be Victoria Bitter too. So that's Australian, very popular Australian beer. Oh, Victoria Bitter is funny. I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So tell us a little bit about yourself for the, those of you out there who don't know Sean. I'd love to hear in his own words what he's up to in his life. Yeah, well, um, you know, out here on the interwebs, uh, people probably mostly know me from the from the RX Only Picture Show that I was doing with my my friend Jem, and um, I actually stepped away from that just because things were becoming kind of hectic and overwhelming for me, and um, so that was just like a really loose, crazy variety show. We ended up having a, a really shocking addition to our show and getting Tracy Twyman to, to join us for a whole bunch of episodes. And she's a really well-known occult author who tragically and shockingly passed away. Um, gosh, it's got to be like six months or more now. And that was still that really, really recent. Yeah, it really rung our bell. You know, um, I've been out here doing uh, what they call truther type stuff. You know, I never really liked any of these titles. They used to call it the Patriot Movement, the Truth Movement. But I mean, there's you have to call it something. But um, I remember even back when I was taking uh, college just out of high school, I had chosen um, the subject of the largest banks in the world and the poorest countries in the world and just exploring as the, like it was a assignment for a research class that taught you old fashioned research and the new fangled internet research, you know, probably like 1996 or something like that, you know. And so I've, I feel like uh, I've been drawn to this, like explore the truth, find the real truth behind things gosh, for, you know, at least back to my high school days, you know, if I go read my old heavy metal lyrics, it's still kind of this, this vibe of wanting to dig deeper and deeper and find something that sticks, you know, and so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is a hard one to, 
to uh, name because, you know, of course the conspiracy here, we always got the, the cat in the scene here, the, um, they'll, they'll, on, the, on the awful side, they'll call you the conspiracy theorist, they'll offer you a, a tinfoil hat, which you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was on your podcast, you, all of a sudden you, you donned the, yeah, the tinfoil hat. <laughs> I remember. And, yeah, and, and then, you know, truthers can be also very much having the reputation of, uh, and it's a founded one, that there's a number of them out there that's, that they're super angry, they're super in uh, despair, they're hopeless, they are spreading a lot of um, actual fear porn. Uh, you know, it's supposedly in reaction against the fear porn that's out there, but it's just more the same. And so what I appreciate about your work is that you carry like even despite having been through that um very difficult loss of tracy twyman you just carry an air of positivity about you that is much more hopeful and leaves me in a in a place of wanting to actually tune in with your energy as opposed to others that i just like that doesn't help me clearly oh yeah i really appreciate you saying that and i worked hard to to make sure to i feel like you kind of like if I, don't, I discourage a lot of people from taking this path of trying to look under the sheets or dig past the surface because it's so toxic and weird unless you can break through the other side. And there was a time, you know, when I very first found political Zionism, I was feeling pretty uh, woeful and just like, oh my God, this is, it was so shocking to find out um, the history of all behind all that stuff and how far far back it went before the creation of the state of Israel and uh, how many accusations are flung on both sides, you know, um, it blew my mind and it made me kind of paranoid. And, you know, I, I had a brief falling out with one of my Jewish friends because she was mad at me because I was willing to talk about stuff that, you know, she was offended at. And, you know, we did make up later, so that was good, you know, but so that kind of stuff, you see it a lot, you know, people who land on like say maybe somebody will go to the Donald Trump subreddit because they're curious on Reddit and somebody drops a link in there to 4chan politically incorrect board and you click that link. Well, now you've just jumped feet first right into the sewer and you don't even know it, you know, and it's full of, um, of uh, people who are trolling and LARPing and there's a lot of uh, intentional like government disinformation operations out there. And so it's really easy to get sucked into to just being sad and scared and angry. Like you feel like you want to fight back or you feel like uh, you're just uh, black pilled, um, you know, where you've lost all hope, you know, now you mm -hmm. can look at a romantic relationship the same again. You can never look at politics or anything ever again that makes you feel like there's any chance to take affirmative action. And um, I encourage people, you know, if you're going to do this, find break all the way through where you find something good, like all the, science and um, diet information that I found, especially people like we talked about, I remember we talked about Ken Wheeler a little bit. He's really big into magnetism and people like uh, Walter Russell. And, um, you know, it's kind of like taking it a step beyond Nikola Tesla and starting to find out about the ether and the electromagnetic nature of the universe and how much sense it makes, how much uh, more at home you feel in this realm if you um, break through and, and get past what you call the fear porn, I always did like that title. That's a really accurate way. You know, the whole Alex Jones and his ilk, all people like him that are just, it's really bad. Oh, they're coming for your guns and they're bringing Muslims and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I never wanted to project that 
because <clears throat> most people have enough misery in their life that they're trying to quietly sit with anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've been in that stage of the, the waking up process too, where all of a sudden you see through the bullshit, you see through the lies, you see how you have been royally fucked around and, and then you want other people to feel royally fucked around too. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a certain misery, loves company there. I, I remember, um, you know, I, another thing I'll say, Beth, is I have a habit of uh, falling back to sleep. So, like, I did that report in college, and it really blew my mind how horrible the relationship between the largest banks and the poorest countries in the world were. It was essentially like the banks putting the countries into usurious debt, just like they do individuals, you know, only it would be Africa, the whole continent of Africa or, you know, other places. And um, for a while there after that, I, uh, I remember finding this book called Pawns in the Game. It was at my friend's house in his bookcase because it was like his wife's dad's book that he'd left with him or something. And it was all about the symbolism on the dollar bill. And the guy who wrote it was a Canadian Naval Intelligence officer. And um, so I got deep into studying like Freemasonry and symbolism, and this probably would have been 98 or something. And somewhere along the line, I just kind of forgot all about it and wandered away from it and, and literally forgot, like probably till 2004 or five. And so I went through 9-11 imagining that it was definitely um, Arab terrorists who had attacked us. And, and, uh, and then I, uh, something happened where a friend who, uh, a good friend of mine saw a man named Dylan Avery on TV. Uh, it was Amy Goodman's show, um, Democracy Now. They had a quick clip with him and he was talking about um, his movie about 9-11 and that woke me back up. And so I started digging back in again and I, I doubled down for like four or five or six years of reading every night. I was living with a man and taking care of him. And, um, and uh, I remember I fell back asleep again and like I kind of just let it go. Actually that time I kind of intentionally uh, I intentionally stepped away from it and let it fade because I found information that, I, that scared me, you know, like I had possession. I, it was back in the day of downloading everything onto your computer, you know, not just streaming. And I downloaded these amazing files and um, I thought, geez, if I had this stuff hard copy, I'd probably be afraid, you know. And so um, and it was then it was the flat earth that made me come back online and, and wake up again. And I wrote a song about it. If you land on my YouTube page, that's the first thing you'll see is the song I wrote. When I, when I realized, because I had actually uh, remembered that the earth was flat. Um, when, when it came back to me, I remembered that me and my friend who is disabled had studied it and figured it out already. We found some really weird website back in the day that had all this flat earth information on it. And it was like unheard of, like needle in the haystack, not out here, you know. And mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Was, uh, and I, I think a lot of people do that. I, I, I use the metaphor when you're dealing with other people instead of shaking people up, because um, the reason I started that little bit, that little rant was because I remember giving uh, one of my friends like 9-11 like DVDs to watch, you know, like some little documentaries I'd ripped down. And, and he said, uh, after he watched it, like, well, what am I supposed to do now, man? Now I'm just miserable. I don't want to know this stuff. Don't tell me any more of this stuff. And I realized I'd really hurt his feelings. You know, I'd, I'd screwed up his life and it wasn't my intention. But um, so, I use the metaphor of uh, if someone was literally asleep, you know, say I came and stayed at your house, Canada, and you're out cold on the couch because you've been working hard, but I have to wake you up for some reason. Maybe you got to give me a ride to the airport. 
you know, I'm going to be real gentle about it. You know, I'm going to come mm -hmm. and touch you softly on the arm and like whisper or, you know, not shake you awake. I mean, if your house is on fire, I will, you know, <laughs> but uh, other than that, no way, you know, and I, I use that metaphor for people that it's hard. It's hard information and people are really more sensitive to things than they think they are. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it puts you in a temporary state of pure chaos because it really does. the world's not almost anything that it appeared to be. And the farther you look, the worse it appears to get, you know, that's, so that's really hard on people. Exactly. Yeah. So waking up is extremely hard to do. And um, I, I always return to this explanation, which only, you know, the metaphor goes a certain distance, but it's not all the way. And it's that an egg, when you crack it from the inside, it's called birth. When you crack it from the outside, it's called death. Yeah. Right? Exactly the same action, but timing is everything. And people do often need to come to things in a moment of like actually wanting, you know, that they would show up on my doorstep and say, you know, Beth, I've been looking at this and looking at that. What do you think? Then there's some kind of an, of an opening to the, to the knowledge. Um, I did have one colleague and close friend tune in with me at a time when a lot of this stuff was funneling down to me. And um, she had already, it's, it's, it's very interesting how you told your story, by the way, that like you wake up, you go back to sleep, you wake up, you go back to sleep. I, I've heard a lot of people talk like that yeah. because it's so big and it does create such a pain in the ass and it separates you from other people ultimately that don't want to have anything to do with thinking about it. And so there is lots of motivation there to go back to sleep and just let it be normal life for, for uh, a change, which is really easy, normal, normal life. Right. But, but uh, there also comes those times where you just can't turn back. You can't turn it off. You, you can't unsee what you've seen. And she had, she had a, a major transformation. She quit her whole profession, you know, dropped her life. Every, everything that she thought was true about her life, she decided wasn't true. She just walked away from it. And that's, it's a kind of, I, I'm, I'm slightly sad about that because she left behind some really beautiful potential in her life purpose from my perspective, although that's arrogant even for me to, to think of it that way because I don't know from um, really what's happening inside of her. That's co it's common though to feel that way like uh, it's it's true it's always true to a degree but that doesn't necessarily reflect someone's internal state so I, it's been hard for me to learn that in my life and I'm still it's not like uh, I haven't reached 100% on any of my experience point levels if you know what I mean like I still have codependent tendencies and still think I know what's best for people you know, think I see what's, uh, what they should work on. And, and uh, so I, I totally relate to that feeling of like, oh, don't drop the whole thing. You better keep some of it. You better not let it all go. Like, what do we know, right? You know, but yeah. it's, you know. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you just you described a, a number of those turning points. And was there, what was the moment for you where it was just on, like there, it's not going to turn off again? What, what do you think was that turning point? I, I think that um, discovering uh, that, you know, that the earth was very likely flat and looking into it for three years straight before I kind of came out to people about it, um, I can't really imagine. And, and then that combined with the idea that I had already internalized this knowledge and forgotten because when I, when we had um, studied it, me and my friend, it had a bunch of little proofs and evidences of, you know, like, 
the way the atmosphere allegedly moves uh, along with the planet so that you know like if you like it, like the theory that if you know if you take off in an airplane or a helicopter that if the the earth should move underneath it you could just set it back down right you know like we had all these uh, theories put in front of us with that weird uh, website we found way back in the day and so we started to view and see it wasn't like speculative at all like we started to believe and see the world as a flat place and we flew on airplanes sometimes so we I, I woke up and remembered like I used to exist in the world as if it were flat and I forgot you know and so it kind of disturbed me and that's partly why I wrote a song about it and the first lyric is today I remember that I'd forgotten the earth was flat that's the that's the first line you know because to me that's a, a really big deal like wow what a phenomenal thing to somehow fall back to sleep on you know and so I don't I can't really imagine um I can't imagine having that process happen again. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, it seems now, especially I put myself out here so hard behind being a truth seeker or someone who's willing to explore and have an open mind. Um, it would be pretty impossible, I think, at this point to turn back in any way. Totally. And how do you handle the inevitable takedowns or opposition or cognitive dissonance? How do you handle that inside yourself? How do you manage the stress of that? Um, well, uh, just recently, the, the technique that you brought to my attention and, and worked with me on um, the release technique is phenomenal. And I would advise anyone to, because I'm always seeking for these tools. My, my fiance gave me one of the greatest compliments ever. She told me, you're the only person I know who reads self-help books all the time and actually does what they say. You know, we're kind of like, oh, wow, good. You know, because I mean, I, I came... I didn't realize it till I was older, but I came up pretty damn hard and in a lot of um, unhealthy and weird uh, relationships in my family and our place we were living in when I was young was really um, poverty stricken, violent place, you know. And so once I realized like, oh, I'm kind of behind, you know, I'm not really as developed as I could be. I started to hunker down and work on it. And then somewhere along the line, I felt like, oh, I'm kind of on a path of enlightenment or something here, not not just like, hey, I'm too codependent or man, I'm depressed, but like farther than that, like I'm supposed to develop into something greater than uh, whatever an average human being is, you know, and without vanity, you know, also not become a megalomaniacal uh, cult leader or anything either. There's a middle path or something where you're supposed to, you know, find peace or, you know, inner peace. You know, I wrote a big thread about it. You know, uh, it's... um. I'd say that the techniques over the years that I've learned to try and really relate to where other people are coming from and to always try to remind yourself that they're they're probably asleep and they don't know it and they're probably projecting and lashing out because something that's happening that you know the the truth is bringing them to a point that they're not ready to to confront and so they have to defend their position so that they don't, you know, they, people don't want to be shoved into the unknown. They really don't. And it, I'm not excluding myself. You know, I seek out the unknown and still bash myself in the face with it sometimes, you know, like, oh, mm. whoa, maybe I didn't want to know. Maybe I opened too many doors here, you know. Mm. And um, so I would say that that compares to the flat earth thing, too. Now it's been a few years. People, 
or at least used to it being around. So now you can bring it up without all the feathers getting ruffled. But 2015 leading into 2016, if you tried to bring it up and talk to people freaked out and I couldn't understand. I was like, well, what, you know, like we all know that everyone used to back in the day believe it was flat. So why does it matter if we go back and reinvestigate, you know, what, what's the big deal? But I think it really is just new information is not welcome. Mm-hmm. It is not flatter. It doesn't have to be outrageous, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it could be as simple as uh, as your DNA isn't what you thought it was. You know, maybe you have part Spanish DNA or Mexican DNA or something, and you found out. And it, I've seen that happen too to people. You know, they freak out like new information. What they weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that lizard or limbic brain that all it knows to do is to. Um, basically ask the question so somewhere along this is my interpretation but it's like you know can I eat it or is it going to eat me right you know it, it only knows how to protect its its life uh, from from the release process perspective it's that walking around constantly vibrating a fear of not surviving or a want for survival and from that place it's extremely blinding you can't see most anything like you won't see logic, you won't see uh, a win-win solution, you won't see, um, you know, just the ability to be compassionate with yourself as you're growing and healing or, or mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff, that, the luxury of manifesting through a life purpose, none of that can happen when you're totally consumed in a lizard brain. And then, of course, that's what all of the, the attacks on us are about to, to make us like live in that in that right. fear at, like a lizard and uh, the, the flat earth by the way is, is so interesting because um first of all my my son I, I don't hold back with him I, I tend to tell him my discoveries I want him to hear this stuff I want him to contend with it now his brain's more plastic than an adult is so he, he can actually right. take the truth more easily and then so I'm spouting off one day about this or that and then he just blurts out and I bet you're a flat earth or two mum <laughs> and I'm like oh oh somebody's complaining about me I can hear I can hear that's going on in the background and then and because I never talked flat earth at all with him I'm only barely you know I do I do see it now you know what the big clincher for me was recently is the rainbow it's a dead giveaway the, yeah the, the shape of it it's just like okay this is a dome here we yeah. are right like it's just so obvious yeah, that's a and and then you if you dive back past that too, it like correlates to all all the the math and the arc of the rainbow correlates to the pyramids and on and on and, and all the pyramids are pretty much a model of this shape. You know, if you look at all the ancient um, cosmologies, um, the way that they have an underworld, the middle world where we are, and then you know worlds graduating up from there, it's just like whoa, you know. But I get it because I I study the paralleling of the truth. And so they have to manufacture something other than the real realm and the real map. Otherwise, we're at liberty still to some degree. And that's what you were talking about, the lizard brain and um, the keeping people in a reactive, a scared reactive state. You know, you're uncertain of your survival and your ability to survive. And so your reaction is... To, you know, rush out of the cave and grab your meat and run back in so that you can eat it. You know, that's uh, that's the way that that they want. They want everyone in that low uh, state of thinking 
so you don't feel safe and comfortable and good and at ease. Because if, if they let us do that, we're just going to build airships and fly as far as we can and see what happens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The human spirit is really, truly unstoppable. And that's why sometimes they go to great lengths to put those bright lights out, which is, uh, I mean, I'm uh, making it a massive assumption here, but just with, with uh, Tracy Twyman, you know, you see a lot of these people, whether they're the naturopaths that are having breakthroughs about cancer out there. Um, there's a long string of people that have been taken out because yeah. they just wouldn't uh, shut up, I guess. Yeah, well, it's, uh, that's, I mean, that's the other reason I stepped away from the, the research I was telling you about earlier is that the, the man who had um, brought, he, he'd found, um, what he found was a, like a chemical weapons manufacturing plant in Boca Raton, Florida, masquerading as a fruit uh, flavoring plant. And um, he was a security, they had, they had offered him the contract without having to bid for it to do security on it. And, and it was more complicated than that. But long story short, um, he had recognized that there was definitely devious and uh, secondary evil things going on under the surface. And so he started recording and documenting everything from a security expert's point of view. So he was copying all documentation and, and taking it off site. He was recording telephone calls. He was wearing a body mic and recording conversations and like prying for information. And then he um, certified mailed all that to the ABC agencies thinking he's doing the patriotic good thing, you know? And uh, when he did that, they just kind of glad handed him and said, oh yeah, wow, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you should keep documenting. You know, they kind of like gave him a tip of the hat, but they didn't give him any, they didn't give him, you know, an assignment or a name or a number or anything. They just said, okay, dude, you found something, keep going. They didn't realize who they were talking to. And so he drew down an unbelievable amount of data um, against all the people involved and found that it led all the way to Bush Sr. to the top, like the president knew, he could prove that the president knew it was going on and he was trying to get something done about it. And um, for years and years, he ran around uh, tooting his horn and trying to let anyone know that would try to help him get the information out. And eventually, not only did they kill him, but they used voice uh, duplication software and went on the radio pretending to be him and had him like recant and change and undermine his own position in, after his death. And that's, you know, I, I had found 12 hours of recordings of him presenting all of his evidence. And, and uh, when I realized like, oh, well, you know, he's gone and the other people that he was working with side by side can't be found, you know? So, I mean, I guess it's just part of my life to be, you know, one person away from the people who are literally hanging their ass out in the wind. Mm. And I've always been trying to be smarter than that about it. I don't want to, I'm not against anyone. I'm not an activist. I'm not a revolutionary. I'm just someone who's very curious to know the truth. And, and I want to know, you know, but I'm, I'm not willing to risk my neck for it. You know? mm -hmm. Well, I think what is a superpower for you that you already talked about was your willingness to do that inner work. And that is a sign of a true king hero. Not surprising that was your archetype on the king hero assessment. Because if you don't do the inner work, then you are at the mercy of all the winds that blow. You are vulnerable to people um, manipulating you with power. Um, 
you know, you, you'll be doing what you're doing out of a hunger to gain notoriety and fame and um, attention. But this way, by doing your inner work, you keep the whole thing in check. You keep your perspective solid and uh, your eye on the ball because like truly there's a goal beyond just simply being seen in this way. And it, I mean, it's not even a huge advantage to be so popular because as, as we've seen, you're, you're just one step away from some of those that have uh, suffered like that. Don't you think the hope is though that if enough of us are talking about it, that they can't get us all? Yeah, yeah, and um, I think I think it's probably less directly deviant than it appears to be, even though definitely people are suffering and dying and being, you know, that usually you see it in a series of steps. If people have assets, they'll come after them for taxes and then come after them for their housing. They'll use contrived scenarios or just enforce rules that are never enforced on anyone else. And um, then if people still won't stop, you know, they'll, of course, they'll chase them out of their employment. Like Gary Webb's a classic example of that. You know, he was a top-notch journalist and he ended up like being like a, a newscaster, like a weatherman or something, because that was the only place he could go and still comfortably be kind of in the realm of his line of work. Um, so I don't, I, sometimes I think that uh, the, the scariness that they put in the air creates more of a, a stigma and a weirdness than it is that they just target people individually. And I really think there's a big supernatural part of it too. I think this is like negative, arconic, baleful energy that people at the top are subjected to and they're intentionally willing to prostrate themselves to and that that opens um, doors and, and pathways for things to happen in a, in a, you know, in a negative, evil way. And it's not the same as someone calling on the phone and saying, all right, you know, Beth and Sean are green-lighted, get them. You know, I don't think it's that, that simple. I think it's more convoluted and more nuanced than that. Because Tracy Twyman, I mean, it, looks, it looked to all of us like it was definitely some kind of strange murder scenario. But the more I've studied it, um, the more I really think it was probably that uh, a combination of digital and in real life harassment, because she was definitely experiencing both. And then I think they were, you know, using either psychic or um, magical powers, for lack of a better way of saying it, to influence her to take her own life. And they succeeded, you know, that's, I mean, and just terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like yeah. Dr. Selby, he's a, he's a classic uh, um, health guru guy that, like, he was one of the healthiest and well-known guys on earth. And he um, got detained at an airport because he had $10,000 cash. And then all of a sudden he allegedly died of uh, pneumonia. It's just like, what are you talking about? You know, how could that be? You know, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important because there's, once you go down the rabbit hole, there's all kinds of, you know, off ramps that there, there is a road direct to truth and sovereignty, but it's much, the much harder road and I'll call that road purpose, right? So how do, you, how do you put this work that you've done together that's obviously evolving and taking shape? You know, you had the RX Picture Show uh, for some years before that, and then now you, you know, you're, you're moving on to your next evolution. How do you see all of this fitting in with your purpose? Well, um, 
I, I'd say that the the picture is just now barely starting to come into view. You know, I'm I'm still, you know, I've uh, I still have some work to do with the work that we started to to really get a clear idea. But I'm I'm feeling more and more like uh, well, I was I was really I was always a caregiver, and I was born um, from a, a single mother at a very young age, and I'm sure to some degree I was her caregiver when I was young enough not to remember. And so I went through these processes to really get away from the like codependent caregiving mentality where you're always working out of a well that's almost empty. And then you do run completely out of resources to help anyone and you become toxic and attacking, you know, like, oh, are you, you get angry at people because you've helped so much, quote unquote, but now they haven't kept their end of the bargain. And um, I feel like I definitely succeeded in getting away from all of that. And even took time to, you know, to pass through what you would call the hedonist archetype where it's like, okay, you know, now I can just kind of, you know, learn self-care and stick with it and, you know, put my phone on mute for weeks at a time and not care um, if, uh, if I don't pay any, any mind or attention to people. Um, let people suffer through their problems or, or dilemmas without, you know, without yearning and feeling like, uh, like it's hard. But I feel like I'm coming back full circle to where like, okay, now maybe I can still go back and actually help people, but from an enlightened and informed position. But I'm not, I'm not sure what that means yet, but I can see it. And there was a time, even a year ago, I probably would have told anyone that said this to me to go to hell and blocked them. Like, no, I'm not going, I'm never going back to any of that. You know, I'm going to do something other than that, you know, because I spent most of my life in a position, even, even my employment was you know, in caregiving capacities. And uh, so I feel like I had to get away from it and learn a lesson. And now that there's something to come back to, but I don't, I don't know 100% what it is yet, Ben. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it's so fun. Like purpose is super clear when you look backwards in your life and you, and you just thread everything together and find the gold. Like I, like I teach, yeah, but, yeah. but looking forward in purpose, it, this never stops being the case with me that it's, uh, you know, it's like a, a, a drunk walking in the dark, not able to like, you know, just feel doing this, like, okay, what, what's next? And with the, the archetype journey that I teach that uh, it, it, it's not just start and then finish and you're done. That's not life. It's, it's, um, it's a, a cycle and a circle and even a spiral. So the number of yeah. times I, I, I joke with myself about this, that the number of times I'll just like, huh, what am I doing? I feel totally lost. I don't feel uh, connected. What's, what's my sacred purpose? Are you my sacred purpose? And, uh, and, and the whole journey starts again with it's, it's, it's like God's game just to get us into that place of like total blank slate humility. And then all of a sudden, ding, 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 you know, you're, you let a certain denial go, or you allow for a betrayal that you've been trying to prevent. Uh, which with looking, looking at the truth is a total betrayal, right? Of your own inner naivete or your yeah. illusions. And, and then all of a sudden you're by, by having that brave look at your own mortality and just saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of my illusions. You, you set yourself off on a new path and you start, you know, the whole journey takes more shape again. The next leg of your journey starts to resolve in, in terms of a, a vision or an image. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite an interesting 
path. It's never a boring path when you're. No, I, you're, I feel like I'm right at the beginning of that last thing you said. Like there's something, you know, the Polaroid picture is is still kind of emulsified, and there's some really vague uh, images starting to appear, and I'm still just like. Even the work that we, where we stopped, I looked on the calendar the other day and I'm like, oh man, we've got a, a meeting scheduled from a month out. I'm like, a month, it's been almost a month already, you know, and I haven't really done like as much as I intended to do, you know, in like, I was going to go retype that whole document and, you know, fill in any spots that might've been missing or weren't completely clear and all this. I haven't done what I intended to do yet. It's not that I'm not going to, it's just that like, oh, whatever, you know, it, it pushes you to the limit to do this work. I, I also mm -hmm. found this amazing book by a man named Anthony DeMello. Have you ever heard of Anthony DeMello? No. Yeah, I, I found it out uh, because of Miguel Connor from Aeon Byte. I don't mm -hmm. know if he, I think he mentioned it in one of his introductions. He has long, crazy introductions on his show. I'm and, familiar. Um, yeah, he's gonna be on this show too, so yeah. No, oh, fun. great, good. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, to hear that. Yeah, I took your suggestion. Mm -hmm. And um, so he, uh, what I'll do is I do, I do this to myself over and over again. I'll hear random suggestions and I'll go add it to my Amazon list, right? And Amazon is so good at their marketing that like, so then out of a thousand items, literally I've added, you know, and lots of the media and book items, obviously, uh, it'll say, hey, SB, this went on sale, but it's only going to be on sale for 13 hours. What do you think? You want to buy it right now? And I'm like, oh man, what is it? Like, I don't even know what it is. And I go look like, huh. Like, oh yeah, I remember Miguel Connor was talking about this. And so, yeah, let's buy it. And it, the book blew my mind again. Like, oh my gosh. Um, he goes through this uh, four-step process of, of waking up, of like first getting in touch with negative feelings that you don't know you have. And second, acknowledging that the feelings are definitely, um, they're definitely something that's inside of you and that's not coming from any external source, you know? It's not your friend that made you mad. It's not your lover who betrayed you. You know, it's not, it's not your car's fault that it broke down that now you're angry and late, that it's all a reaction that's coming from inside of you, right? And then the mm -hmm. third step, if I could remember, uh, the third step was to, um, to not identify as an individual with whatever that feeling is. So you have a negative feeling remind yourself that it's actually something that's just coming from inside of you. It's not, it's not anything else. And then to not identify it with it. So a good example would be to never say, I am depressed, or I would say, don't even say, I feel depressed, to take the I out of it, you know? So if I have a low day now, since I started, I'm, I'm listening to the book for the second time because I liked it so much. Instead of saying, I feel depressed today, or I feel down today, I'll say, well, there's a low feeling here. There's a feeling of depression here. There's a feeling of sadness here right now. And I can't believe how quickly it allows things to pass and go away. You know, between that and the release process, I feel like I'm up and sprinting instead of uh, crawling around on my hands and knees just in the last, you know, three or four months. And so it's exciting. You know? It's so great. It's so great. And there comes, it comes a point, like there's two ways to use that work. And I'm always helping people on one or the other of these tracks, there's, there are times to troubleshoot, like you just got too many bombs going off, things aren't working, you know, a lot of, lot of bad feelings coming up. And you, you just have to start chipping away from where you are at. But there always comes the point where you can turn things on their head and create a goal that you start, because every, every time you're brave enough to go all the way through 
a feeling or the program that roots that feeling, then you reclaim the energy that you were using to suppress that part of yourself. And when that energy gets let up, it starts to see in ways that you couldn't see. And it actually can be very literal. You can literally see more light or you see more color or you see more detail. Like it, mm -hmm. it you know, just all of a sudden it's like, who, who took the blinder away? I, I didn't know I had blinders on until I took them away. And so when that energy raises, it gives you that chance to actually vision. And that's where that's where that's why the, the the purpose work for me is all release work because it's not a matter of like you, that you have to go and invent and find your purpose. It's always trying to unfold. It's just a matter of that it's so clouded or it's got so many layers of not purpose and vision on top of it that it just can't be seen. So when that vision starts to resolve, you you it can be the whole thing can be flipped and it can turn into a goal. So so you put the goals out in front of you instead of just reacting to the bombs going off, you keep your eye on the goal. And then the whole thing, it sounds like you're in that phase, it, it becomes extremely positive. I, I, I myself recently flipped over, like there was just you know, a lot of stuff and, and I went through a, a kind of lengthy flu thing I was telling you about. And mm -hmm. I, I, got, I turned into a really nasty person, like with poor cats around here, it wasn't good for them. <laughs> <laughs> just like a, I was a mean cat lady and uh and then I was talking to my coach and, and I think this is a clincher right that's the way that the universe is designed ah fuck the universe who knows what that is now anymore anyway but it's it, you know the way that, that there is design it's it's that we're really not meant to do anything extraordinary alone and sometimes the smallest bit of input from somebody else. So I, I jump on a call with my coach after three weeks of just being really low. And, and then I could feel this tectonic shift and I could feel that goal after the call, I felt the goal come in and the goal was like glorious and beautiful. And all of a sudden I could see it as a possibility. And ever since then I've been allowing the goal to pull me forward. Now there's been no less shit coming up but it's all coming up in the context of the goal. So right. overall, the whole thing is way more exciting and way more energizing and way more, um, it's more of a warrior act because I'm, I'm using the goal to bring my own stuff up rather than just like bumbling through life going like, oh my God, that just blew up and that just blew up and I have to handle that thing now. It becomes no, I, much more- I totally relate to that because- right uh, it's it's per, perspective is amazing what it can do like you know if uh if the plan and the goal ahead of you is something that you definitely see as positive and good it's something that you you know for lack of a better word want you know yeah. want can be really pathetic too but you know if it's really positive and affirmative and you also want it then it doesn't really matter what's happening it's like rambo at the end of a movie it doesn't matter how many guys lob grenades and shoot at him he just has his goal he's going to get the bad guy you know i i see life when it's right when it's going good that way you know like okay i'm i'm impervious i'm i'm immortal until i'm dead is what i tell people when i feel like that right you know like it doesn't, you know and um but if you don't have that vibe then it feels like almost anything can tip you then it's more like a balance beam or a wire you're walking on you know and so you're really trying to keep your focus stay on the narrow path you know 
don't kick the cat or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Given the stresses, given, you know, what it takes to hold and take an, an unpopular stand, um, what makes it all worth it for you, Sean? I, I would say what makes it all worth it is feeling whole and being able to be an example of, of feeling whole to people who, it seems like most people are just walking around and they're not, they're either, they either don't know who they are or they do and they're certainly not willing to express it. And I'm, you know, I do a good job of, uh, of performing as someone who's really ultra confident and over the top, but really I'm very embarrassed and ashamed of a lot of the things that I want to do. And I just, I'm just learning over a long period of time to just do them anyway. And when I was younger, I did them almost as a, what I would call true vanity, you know, like knowing that in your heart of hearts, you feel like you're not worth a, worth a damn, but you're gonna do it anyway and show everybody how good you can pretend to be, right? Like uh, imposter syndrome to the max. Like, you know, I'm gonna go out here and play the electric guitar and sing, but really I think I suck, you know? But so, so I would say what a great feeling to know that that feeling is gone, but that the feeling of being tentative, insecure, and shamed and embarrassed to, to do something is still there and to confront it honestly and not not pretending that you're great when really in your heart you don't feel great you know i would say that's the that's the reason that makes it that that's what makes it not matter at all how bad it gets even if they come wipe me out because that was too much truth out of sb's mouth then it's okay because you know whatever remains is the genuine article it's not i'm not fronting out here anymore you know mm -hmm. amazing yeah that's again such a strong king quality that if you back up on my archetype journey to a couple of archetypes, the, the lover would have got really hooked on appearances that looking good and, you know, get every, getting everything right, or at least making it so that other people felt like you got it right was the most important thing. But by the time you get to the king, you're really having a breakthrough about authentic leadership and that it doesn't mean pulling the wool over people's eyes and, just having everybody venerate you and follow you and keep telling you how great you are. That's not food for, for a true king. The food is going to be that personal development, the self-knowledge, the self-mastery, the, uh, uh, the self-honesty, really, that, that basis for just knowing yourself, knowing your weaknesses, knowing where you need to, to, to plug up the holes with other people and other experts and you know what what your land is that's uh joseph battaglia i recently interviewed and he's got this great thing about just stay in your land you know so don't don't try to be an expert in a way that it's really not your thing and uh just you know do your thing and that's that's to me if everybody did their own thing this would be such a different world it would and we're, we're seeing it start to bud and develop that way the something about the internet and um, I would say a big credit of it goes to the internet. Something about the internet connecting people has made thousands and thousands of people able to just say, you know what, I'm going to develop the way I want, you know. And some of it might be vain and, and off-putting, but a lot of it I see is just like, it's not what I want. I'm going to develop. I see where I'm supposed to be, so I'm going to be there, you know.
-hmm. And, and uh, so we have a, a rally of support for one another uh, from one little enclave to the next. You know, if, if what you think is really going to make your life great for the next two years to sit in front of a camera and do makeup so other girls can be as beautiful as you are, then hallelujah, right? Then do it, you know. <laughs> Whereas there's no way 10 years ago that would have been just poo-pooed across the board, you know. Mm -hmm. Certainly wouldn't have been seen as a viable opportunity in any way, you know. Your mother would have just rolled your eyes if you're a young girl, right? You're just going to do your makeup all day and record it? Are you kidding? And now, you know, I'm sure there's hundreds of moms out there right now going, yeah, do a good job. Do you need a new, better light? Do you need a better camera? Because they're looking at the potential of it, you know, being uh, something huge. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. And I, I've always uh, been fascinated by people who, when they step out of their their realm of expertise, how quickly the mask falls and how easy it is to see that we're all human, you know? That's, mm -hmm. I'd say that's another big takeaway for me is to realize that, um, well, how do I, I usually say it this way, that the truth, the hard truths that you can find out here by studying and reading uh, and interacting with people, they, at the very end of it, they bring you to a decision to make, which is whether or not you trust your own five senses more or whether or not you're willing to rely on the authority of other people, especially other people who are positioned or put themselves in a position to claim quote unquote genuine authority. When I, I don't have that anymore. I don't have, I, I can't really list you a name, you know, I can't list off idols anymore. There's people I still love and admire. You know, I used to worship Jimi Hendrix guitar playing and try and, you know, sit in the dark on my bed and practice it so that I wouldn't have to look at my hands, you know. But I don't, you know, my, the only idol I have left is Jesus Christ because that's the, to me, that's a genuine blueprint. I never could find any fault with it. So I kept it, you know. Mm, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, because so many of the idols that we have or had uh, now on, on this side of seeing what the truth of, of that is, like that those people get into those positions uh, often under nefarious circumstances or, um, you know, for the really the wrong reasons that they're just so hungry for fame and so hungry for approval that they're willing to do literally anything to be in that position. Mm -hmm. They are not role models. I, I, we just had the... the was it the Golden Globe Awards where, uh, yeah. was it Ricky Gervais, did I get his name right? Yeah, yeah. Ro roasted everybody, um, like he just could have set fire to them <laughs> with he that speech. Did it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was a beautiful thing just to call it like it is. So, so and, and I love what you're saying too in terms of like just looking to a very pure archetype and, you know, without going looking for Jesus, uh, it's almost like Jesus found me. That was that was more of a when I started to deal with the realities of what was happening out there. I was dealing with some dark forces. I actually started to get attacked by demons very clearly, very palpably. I was under attack, and inevitably, or I don't know how inevitable, but all of a sudden, I was calling on Jesus to help me. And, and nobody ever taught me this. Nobody ever said, oh, by the way, if you ever get into trouble with demons, you can just call on Jesus. And it was, it was just that the, it became this go-to, like, Jesus, could you please handle this for me? I'm, I'm out mm -hmm. of my realm here. And every single time I did that, it would be blam, 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 handled over. Yeah. And that's... With, 
yeah, whether it was a tantrum with my kid in the back seat or, you know, a, a middle of the night experience, just having a psychic attack or, or this kind of thing. It was just like, so, you know, I don't need to, in a way, even believe anything there. It's, it's, uh, it, it proves itself to me that, that archetype, that figure. Yeah, and that's what um, I, I usually, if I, if I start to talk to people face-to-face um, -face and they ask me if I'm a Christian, I'll, I'll tell them yes, but it's always yes, but, so that they understand that I'm not like a, geez, I wish I wasn't going to church this Sunday because I really want to watch the football game type of Christian, you know, that's it. I, I've studied scriptures on and off my whole life, and now I've gotten really into looking at all the extra canonical and, you know, all the books that got kicked out or lost or allegedly removed. Um, and so usually I end up making the, the more typical Christians grumpy or upset. And, you know, the, the pagans and the heretics and everybody are, are always more willing and, and able to talk to me. But my experience is the same as yours, Beth. It, it's, it's something that is, it's proven here internally for me to be reliable over the long term. And I've never found it to be anything I could doubt or especially anything that's hurt me. So I don't have any motivation at all to question it or let it go. And I'm just talking about the words of Jesus Christ himself. Like the rest of the Bible for me is up for grabs. If people want to hash it out and debate, it's on them, whatever. But like the actual story of Christ himself, I love it. I haven't ever found any. <laughs> it's, it's just all good to me. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. So that answers my next question about a, a spiritual belief or, or practice in your life that helps support you. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear about that. I'd love to hear your take on the masculine and feminine energies. There are two major archetypes that can be easily invisible because we are more dealing with men and women and, you know, the, the gender wars. And um, as you know, I'm a big stand for supporting a strong man and helping to bust through that toxic masculinity projection that's put on men these days. What's your take on the whole state of men and women in the world today? You know, I think, um, for one thing, I would say that we don't, we don't really know our true history. So they give us this idea of how everything has developed and arrived to where we are now that I don't have any faith or confidence in, but that it works so well as like a blanket spell that, you know, I'm the man part of the upper class of men who are making all the decisions and you're the woman and you're part of, you know, someone who's been kept like chattel. And so there's this equilibrium that needs to be rebalanced. Um, I would say to a degree that is true, but that it's probably not this long standing historical thing that they're making it out to be. I do see, um, I see imbalance, uh, it, on all sides, actually, and in really finite ways so that you can't say, oh, we see the problem, we need to add a little weight on this side, or we need to take a little weight off of that side. It's a very uh, complex process. And I think they just use it like a baseball bat against all of us so that we're not inherently at ease with one another. And I do, I do lean towards, um, strongly lean towards the idea that we're biologically born into natural roles that, you know, the man is outside, out front, the woman is inside, uh, you know, kind of interior, you know, I'm talking kind of metaphysically, you know, the man is the shield. Um, and the, even the, the way that our bodies are shaped, that's, that's true, you know, one is out, one is in, you know, that's, 
I don't think you can really get away from that. And I think the confusion of it all is really deep. Um, it's a big deal to polarize everyone to sides so that they can get the outcome they want, you know? I call it communitarianism, but most people would recognize it more as a Hegelian dialectic or problem reaction solution. But um, the, it's, the, the world that they're moving us into is a communitarian world and it's from this, what they call synthesis uh, of the thesis and antithesis, right? You know, you got something and you put something against it and then you get a third outcome once those things kind of battle down, you know. Um, I see the uh, polarization of, of men versus women as just being one out of dozens and dozens of ways that they're, they're pushing us to corners so that we'll, so we'll be at odds because they have, a, they have a solution for us once we're at odds enough. They have a solution waiting in the wings to bring out and say, well, here you go, you know. Here's your goddess to worship, or here's your, you know, your new government that's not like a constitutional republic, etc. And you know, if you read enough, you can prove it. I'm sure you see it. You know, but lots of people don't see it, so they're much more easily led that way. You know, so I think. Um, well, I would point out with the the gender issues and all the the masculine feminine stuff that I think there is some truth to the feelings that people are having for sure and that I don't think it's just the in vogue fad either only I would give a huge huge chunk of the responsibility because they're projecting it onto us with the media and so is if they're going to blast us with media it's going to have an effect we're all hypersensitive you know with our eyes and ears more than anything else and so you're going to absorb it and and people who have already uncertainty and uh, feelings of not being happy with themselves, not happy in their bodies, it gives them something to, to give them a solid position. And I'm not even saying that that's necessarily bad or wrong, except for that it is against nature. The way that, you know, if, if it was just, if we go find the tribes in the jungle, there are some people that might have a, a middle ground feeling, but for the most part, it's couples of men and women making families, right? This is the idea that you have to reinforce that that was always the original design of how men and women are is just a convoluted confusion. Like, of course, it's the way it's always been. Of course, that's the way we naturally existed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the chemicals and things that you're finding in plastics and in foods and what are some of most of these things aren't even foods, they are also adding to the feeling of people not necessarily feeling at home and fully identified in their selves. So maybe they did incarnate knowing full well that they were going to become a man, but the struggle and the process of coming through this life and this incarnation at this time in history, when everything's so inflamed and strange, it casts doubt on it um, with the foods and the things that you eat. And then they blast you with the media and you go, hey, maybe that's right. And now you've got this whole uh, convoluted strangeness going on. And I think it's a secret plan to make this goddess uh, era coming, you know, they're going to bring this goddess era where, you know, the, the masculine gods and the, and the men as leaders have to be quote unquote torn down and they're going to install, you know, they're going to try and go back to what they imagine old goddess worship to be, you know, I mm -hmm. think that's where this is heading in the, in the occult side, the secret side, that's what's happening. But on mm -hmm. the surface, I think it's just one more division tool. You know, a man, a typical hillbilly man with his shotgun in his truck who likes to hunt for deer, 
and his son comes home and says, I'm a girl now, dad. Well, I mean, you can't really get more divided in the household at that point, you know, mm -hmm. if, if they can both live through that, it's a miracle. If they can get to know each other and talk it out is a, a miracle of miracles. And that's what they want. They want us to not be at ease, at liberty within our own households, within ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big part of the work that I do to teach people the difference between losing energy and gaining energy. And there is, there is a pseudo or a fake gain of energy when you show up to your hillbilly redneck hunting father and tell him that you're really a girl. There would be a fake kind of a, a power would come from that fake energy. Yeah. It's the energy of, uh, you know, maybe it's wanting disapproval or uh, wanting to shake things up or wanting to get negative energy, negative attention because you're maybe not in the habit of getting positive attention or they're not in the habit of giving it. And so it's easy to fool yourself thinking that you're gaining energy from these things. But if you really truly study it, you will see that it's a loss. To work against nature is always a loss of energy. It always requires uh, caloric input in order to move against nature. But once you go with nature, you go with your purpose, you go with the, the meaning and the structure and the design that's already in place, then it's like whoosh, you have this you know, wind behind your, your wind in your sails and, and there can be such extraordinary movement yeah. when you're working with nature and the laws that be. I've, I've seen it on, um, on Twitter, especially. I don't, I don't follow them anymore, but for a while I followed three or four or five, um, they were uh, people who had made the transition and then decided later that they'd made the wrong choice. And they were very, they were very out about it because that's why they were out there. They found their purpose, which was like, I really went into this full blown trying to, you know, pass is what they say. To, to me, it's so sad to see a, a masculine looking man. Um, I have great compassion on anyone in these positions. Like if you're worried all the time about whether or not you pass, it's gotta be just a nightmare of a life. And you, what you find to get home and whip your wig off and, and relax, you know, I can't imagine. I really can't. And, and so I don't, I, I uh, and it makes me scared always for people in that position that they're in danger because people are closed-minded and people are reactive and people are, their, their disgust response is not under their control and it's not in check. So they see it, they don't like it. If you're out drinking in a bar, God forbid, you know, you'd be in a real bad way. And um, the ones that had admitted that they'd gone the wrong way and come back, they were the most fascinating to follow. A doctor named Ray Blanchard is, uh, he's a really polarizing, controversial person. He might be willing to come on here and talk to you, hmm. Ray Blanchard. He's not so huge that you can't get a hold of him, but he's a very hmm. well doctor because he brought out um, the research of uh, the two different types of um, transsexual men. And um, I would recommend people take a look at it. It really helped me to clear up the idea. And that's when I started following some of these accounts and you could tell these people had been released. And then may, some of them maybe didn't have the, you know, they didn't get reassigned surgery, but they still felt released. And of course they don't publish or, you know, the, the quote unquote trans community that's out there claiming that they know whatever, what's best for everyone. They won't even give these people uh, a tip of the, of the hat. They, they won't give them any acknowledgement at all because it doesn't fit in that someone tried something really super extreme that actually cost you surgery and hormones. And then you came to a point where you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And then they're happier. 
you know, and they then they want to tell their story so that other people don't suffer the same fate that they put themselves through, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so incredibly brave to do that. I will absolutely connect with Blanchard about it, um, that it's, it's the most terrifying thing of all uh, for anyone to, I, I have a, a client who went through surgery for breast cancer and she, she went through the very common mastectomy that, that's recommended. Mm -hmm. And she came out the other side and instead of being like, they teach you to be all raw, raw about it and like, you know, go and run uh -huh. your marathon and you're, you're just such a warrior and you're a fighter. I'm not saying any of that's untrue, but it's really a huge cover-up for the fact that um, you know the, the, the people's bodies are being maimed. I'm not, and I'm not even going to pretend that there aren't times for that kind of surgery. All my grandmother's sisters died of breast cancer, all of them, right? But who knows what the actual circumstances were going on there as well? It's it's a it's a pretty deep, dark issue. But at the end of the day, she realized that it was not. It was it was a big mistake that that was not necessary for her to do it and and people that do it preemptively just because they've been convinced they need to protect themselves that way is such a i don't know it's it's tragic and then inevitably it's what you said the first thing she wanted to do was turn around and help others who get stuck in that exact position right. or who who are on the precipice of trying to make that decision and don't have a basis for because she would be the one brave person to get up and 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 say regret the rest of them will live in quiet misery right right about it and that's i think uh if i think something like the me too movement is one step past to that quiet regret so that and i think it's controlled you know and i think it kind of ties into what we're talking about i know that's a little bit of a leap but um they they parallel off of something they know they can't dynamically ignore you know and that's what they do is they use dynamic silence for someone like your friend or for someone like the people I found because of Ray Blanchard, that they, they want a soapbox so that they can tell their story and they're honest. You can tell they're genuine people, you know, um, mm -hmm. and they're, they're completely lambasted and ignored. And um, if they can't keep that dynamic silence in place, then the next thing they'll do is they'll bring out something that looks like the thing that they're trying to avoid confronting honestly. And I could totally see that, you know, that that's the, that I, I really think that that's what Me Too is. It's a, they bring out somebody like Weinstein as a scapegoat and they parade him around and then an event has happened. Something's been brought up that's negative and hurtful that hundreds of thousands, millions of people have suffered, male and female, you know, that they've been molested, taken advantage of, raped, God forbid, worse things, you know? And so they bring this thing out, it's an event, and then it goes away. And that gives all the people actually behind the, the true evil, bad stuff permission to, to keep business as usual going on behind the scenes, you know, instead of what um, all of us really have kind of a desire towards or a hope towards is that something really happens and we turn over every stone and we, we bust in every office building and we find, you know, the bad guys and we do something about it. You know, I think they're trying to actively prevent this kind of investigation on almost every front, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, for me, it was an enormous awakening when I noticed how, first of all, I was super sophisticated in the way that I was like trying to not appear to be a man hater because I worked for 15 years. I worked for nothing but with women, for those of you who don't know that. 
and I would always say it would always, I, I don't, I like my men fine. There, there's nothing wrong there. I'm just niching my business. It's just a practical matter. Don't feel bad. I'm not, you know, I'm not making you wrong, but when it came down to it and I really was totally honest with myself, I had to see that actually in my mind, I felt like if men fell off the face of the earth, it would be better for us all. Like I actually held that. And, and the deeper I got into it, especially with the release process, I could uncover these images that I was holding in my mind of, uh, you know, just that anything that was wrong with the, the earth was a re as a result of men's activity and that how I was visioning, I was literally visioning men as all potential rapists, right? And, and fascinating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it feels like my own internal psychosis or my own internal thing that's going on, but no, no. This is the narrative. This is what's being fed to us. That's what, that's what Me Too did was, was start to like, you know, everybody pops up and I have Me Too stories too. And I've, I wrote about them in my book. But at the end of the day, that's not, we're not talking about, you know, living, breathing people with souls. We're talking about people who are intensely damaged, maybe soulless, who don't have the capacity to feel and, uh, you know, hurt people, hurt people. That's, that's the, the basis of it. So that's, that's not a problem for men. That's a problem for psychopaths and society in general that's nurtured the, um, you know, a zero conscience way to be. Yeah, and I would say that you see it on the, you see it on both sides. Right now, it's bigger on the female side because of the Me Too stuff. But, you know, if you know what uh, MGTOW is or the Red Pill uh, pickup artist communities and um, they, they do the same thing to where it's like, well, you know, all the problems in the world are certainly underlying all of them, starting with Eve in the garden, of course, is it's all to be blamed on some woman who's, uh, you know, using her misandry and her hypergamy as a way to scale all the ladder of men's necks to the top where she can find the, you know, richest, best man in bed and leave, you know, everyone else crying in her wake. Whereas I just, nowadays I see all of that on both sides is just people that they, they haven't come to the place where they can wake up enough to, to say what I said about the DeMello book. Like if you're having a negative feeling, you know, sorry about the bad news folks, but it's in you. It's somewhere in you. You're projecting it onto other people. I did it for years. It's really brave of you, Beth, to say what you just said, because so, I know so many women that I'm very careful around. And uh, just because I know I'm not trying to be, you know, they're setting us up to bite back and bicker with each other all the time. You know, if I say, mm -hmm. hey, you can't talk about men that way, then then the 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 really staunch feminist I know might decide that that's a reason to knock me down a peg or to at least think less of me in their mind. So it's not worth it to me because I love them. They're my friends and whatever position they hold is fine with me because they're not directly attacking me. You know, mm -hmm. if they were, then maybe I would take a different position. But mm -hmm. I've seen it for years, you know, that you if you go look, you can find message boards on either side where you get down to the nitty gritty and it's the same thing. You somehow dehumanize the opposition. You know, right. if, if right. men could be all castrated, it would be a better world, right? Or if women could all be locked at home and completely kept from view of other people, then it would be a better world. Where this is obviously false. If you take it to that level, it becomes very obvious. But we all have little tiny sandy seeds of this. It's hiding in us in places and we don't know. 
and then the feeling comes up and you don't realize, okay, that's something to work out for myself and not an enemy that I've found to attack, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. Um, it, it's actually, I was talking to someone about this earlier that um, the work of Lester Levinson, which is the basis for the releasing that I coach with, he recommended something. Now, this is as a, a tool and a technique, not so much actually the truth of it, but, but the technique of it is very powerful. And it's to assume responsibility for everything, right? So, and this might seem absurd, but I'll use myself as an example. So I'm picked up off the street and, and raped in a back alley. And for me to say, you know, okay, well, how did I cause this? How did I actually cause this? It is different from saying, oh, I'm to blame and, you know, what was I wearing and like that whole blame thing right. that happens on the outside. That's, that's actually really insidious and awful and terrible. But to assume responsibility for it, all of a sudden, that thing that happened is, is in your control. Right. Like maybe, the, of course, you can't change the past. You can't go back and do anything. But you can absolutely engineer your future to look the way that you want it to. But as long as you keep on going, okay, well, you know, maybe if you just use, say, an abusive re uh, relationship as an example, if you, if you keep on connecting with that same kind of abusive person and you keep on saying that other person is responsible because of their bad behavior, and it's actually true that other person has bad behavior, but at the end of the day, as long as you don't assume responsibility, then chances are you're going to keep on repeating that pattern, trying to get your own attention so you can be free from that pattern. Yeah, and that's why I love this release stuff because it's like, oh yeah, you know, between between uh, the release stuff and that Demello book, I feel like I've got a one-two punch anytime I'm starting to feel off the path or weird or just miserable, irritable. You know, like in the last two days, I've been irritable, uh, you know, pretty severely irritable about something, and I just like I, I sent you a little clip of it, you know, like I just went and typed it out. Like, yeah, you, that was it great. Helps, it helps to type it out too. Like, I mean, I can talk to myself and it works, or I can even just do it in my head and it works. But mm -hmm. what a shocking thing to say, right? To something horrible happens to you, something as bad as rape. How, to, how, did, I, how did I cause this? You know, that's, that's gonna be really hard for people to swallow, but there's power behind it. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not uh, blaming yourself is not the same thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's how did I get mm -hmm. all the way in my whole life path to this point? that this was able to happen, you know, I was responsible for myself all the way up to the point where something I didn't like happened, right? I was definitely responsible for myself when I bought the movie ticket, but stepping out of the theater somehow now I'm not responsible for myself. Well, you know, your illusions fall away and you realize, oh, well, it was still, it was still me. I still somehow put myself in a position. I was in a terrible romantic relationship for years and we, we drug ourselves to the depths of hell and lost everything. And I know now that it was me. You know, mm -hmm. I blamed that woman for years. Um, and then I started to kind of half wake up to it and said, no, it was definitely us. And I have to take it a step farther and say, no, that's just me. All the parts of that that I was unhappy with are all things that are me. I would call it my external self trying to wake my internal self up so that I could do whatever the hell it is I'm supposed to do here. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not, I can't stress enough, it's, it's not about the like accurate depiction or an accurate analysis of a situation or an accurate, accurate inventory because that's where people get caught in the relationships. It's taking inventory for blame. Like this is my shit and that's your shit and we'll keep our right. shit separate and we're going to try to, 
you know, but it, it ends up being a total fiction because you're, you're creating uh, separation and distance from that other person instead of allowing yourself to be equal to that person. And then again, it's a technique by assuming responsibility. Then what do you gain by assuming responsibility is you gain your freedom. You gain your power. You are, uh, you, you know, you have the ability to actually act in a purposeful way rather than uh, just a reaction of life's all coming, coming at me. So it's, it's never about going to, you know, and analyze a story and say, oh yeah, you know, and I'll just use this example. I think maybe I've used it before, but I'll say it again, that I was having trouble with my son and um, it was stuff his dad was doing that, that I totally didn't agree with and, and definitely wasn't good. And still, I know, I'm, I'm not pulling the wool over my own eyes. I still know it's not good. But because the situation was so outrageous that my, my son just said like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm packing my bags, I'm going to live over at my dad's place. It, the, the, it, you know, that extreme situation brought me to a place of saying, okay, well, I can blame them all the day long, but at the end of the day, it's not helping me. It's only getting worse, right? That was the reality of, of doing that. And when I turned it around and I said, okay, I did it. And that's going to be the title of my next book, by the way, after I finish this first one, which I, I'm almost finished. It's just a, uh, almost minutes away on the clock right now. But, uh, but this, this good. idea that- I'm excited yeah. to read it. <laughs> oh, Oh, good. Good. Um, so yeah, just that, that feeling that I did it, so much power comes into your system from it. I did it, even if it's the worst thing. All that energy that you waste projecting out, all of a sudden, you've got it again. And Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what yeah. I said to you when I first, you sent, because you sent me the, the King the King release um, as a comp because you came on the show and we all talked about it and we were really good. You're like, well, hey, I'll just send it to you. And so I put on my headphones at work and I'm having somatic response to the, to your talk, you know, like I'm feeling different. Like it's a almost ASMR tingly, like lighter, like, okay. Cause I know that's, that's what you're looking for out here, folks, is that feeling when you're trying to make a change, you go talk to your counselor for 10 years and nothing happens but you go to the beach and you change your attitude and all of a sudden you feel light and free of something that's been torturing you for years. That's what you're looking for. That's progress. That's the, that's being on the path, you know? And exactly. Um, it made me think there's a woman on Facebook. I'll tag you next time I, I see her stuff go by. She, um, she cured herself of, of cancer with raw foods. And I think the title of her book was I gave myself cancer. I took it away. Hmm. powerful nice that's, nice that's awesome so good because it made me think of you last time i saw her title go by i thought hey that's kind of beth martin's territory same stuff there you know right on very good it makes people angry but it's okay that like i said before when you're waking people up whether it's on accident or on purpose you you can give them space it's okay if, uh, if you listen to this and it makes you have a, a knee-jerk reaction that's okay you know, there might exactly. be something for you, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't yeah, mean anchor, you work on it either. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, anchor isn't the ultimate destination. If you stay stuck there, it'll eat you alive, but it's, it is a necessary step to come up and out of, especially, you know, like not caring or despair is a little higher. Fear is even higher than that. 
then then you get get into actually letting yourself want things so you get into some lust and the next level up energetically speaking is anger so you've you've broken a lot of ground by getting into anger that's when all of a sudden people start to make changes they take action they take risks like you got to get mad enough and that's that's the rebel archetype in my journey that if you can you can get mad and take up arms you can actually start to gain some movement and momentum though again staying stuck there is uh is not not pretty <laughs> for you or anyone get so angry and i'd stuff it for so long and then i would rage clean my house because i wasn't getting any <laughs> help, you know, from my ex you know she would literally just like i used to follow her around with empty packages and shake them at her and say why why you know like <laughs> almost mocking and joking but like here's an empty cereal box and an empty soda bottle and a plastic fork why why you know why can't you just throw it in the garbage can but <laughs> i would rage clean the whole house so you hit anger and you have opportunity for action even if you stay mad you know i love rage cleaning <laughs> i don't do anything i'm so glad i have such a utopian i'm so happy to have such a healthy good relationship where we just choose chores and agree to do them and if we don't do them it's no big deal and and you know nobody ever really uh flubs their stuff long enough that you're like oh my gosh look at that mess that no one's touched for a month you know it doesn't happen so i'm so so grateful and pleased to finally be in that situation that's amazing. Yeah, you can see things are happening, eh? Where you, where you attract a person that's just really a good match for who you are, and uh, it's good evidence for the work that you've done on yourself. I agree. I, I wasn't wanting it or expecting it at all, and so that to me that was other good evidence. Like what this? Totally. We were, we were both in denial preliminarily. People were like, "You guys are kind of in love," and we're like, "No, we're just watching movies and eating tacos." What are you guys talking about? You know, like, <laughs> you know, I couldn't see it. You know. Mm, how beautiful i'm happy for you thank you and i'm super happy to have hosted you for this interview it's really been a total pleasure like i knew it would be how do people reach you if they want to connect um i just updated my uh my little kind of like web portal landing page um so if you want to go directly to it you can find all of my links to social media and other places i am on the internet by typing sb alger that's s-b-a-l-g-e-r and it's um dot c-a-r-r-d dot c-o and it's like a that that that's the that's my website it, pretty soon it's going to be uh sonio.net but i just haven't done the steps yet to get rid of my crappy url as i'm sure as a as an entrepreneur and an internet business lady i know you know what i'm talking about you can't those don't really stand up in court out here. If people really want to respect and trust you, you got to get some .coms, .nets, some real, uh, you know, some real URLs for your for your domain. And so I've got the domains bought. I bought a few domains. Um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Sean Alger. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sonio. That's S-E-W-N-E-O. Um, you know, I'm on Instagram. It'd be easier to go uh, to my to my little web portal if you wanted. That's where all my digital art is there on Instagram. So I'm a social media junkie. You know, one day I'll probably automate half of it and step away from it. So I'm more focused on the things that are going to bring me money, you know, and, and more pleasure. But it's one of my few vices I have left is to lay around, uh, you know, typing on Twitter or uh, scrolling on Reddit or something, you know. But I I do see it as a not not ideal but i'm not ready to kill it yet so or or transmute <laughs> it or whatever you know
Yeah, it's a beautiful conversation, especially when it's on purpose for you and it's the subjects that you're passionate about and you're um, relating and engaging with people. I was pretty excited this week that a lot of my social media ended up resulting in real conversations and uh, real meetings with people that that's, you know, that such as we're doing right here, that it goes beyond just the banter of the back and forth and it becomes actual seeds of creation. So that's, that, that potential is always there. Yeah, I would agree that that's, that's the other thing that's really on the other side of breaking through the negative fear porn um, isolation of conspiracyville and all of the looking for who's an agent and who's a shill. You know, you can get caught in that circle forever, but if you get through to the other side and find something good, not only do you find information that will change your life forever in a positive way, but you'll find people that made it to the other side too, and then you won't feel alone. You'll have peers. You have peers out here, you know. Oh, I guess I should exactly. say the, the main place um, for people to find content of me like this is on my YouTube. You can find I was that in say. the same place. You know, if you type SB Alger YouTube or RX Only Picture Show, um, there's 66 episodes up there. Beth's on one of them. James True's yeah. on there. Lots and lots of them with Tracy Twyman. Um, my friend uh, Jim was there with me as co-host the whole time, and he's amazing. And if you go back to the older episodes, it's us like playing with yo-yos and juggling and uh, playing acoustic guitar and singing. And uh, we even have an episode where we juiced. We, we brought a whole bunch of uh, fruits and vegetables and the juicer out and stood there and juiced and drank juice and talked. And so. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, that's right up my alley. I'm a big juicer. Yeah, me too. Um, definitely find Sean's videos uh, with of his music, by the way. I've managed to catch a couple of those. And you're a powerful musician. You're a powerful singer. You have a really great spirit with that. So definitely recommend checking that out. What was it your rendition of? What was the song that I had commented on specifically? Oh, yeah, I just, I just recorded White Rabbit. I've got a friend who, uh, mm -hmm. who, um, so, you know, that was my, my grandmother really was, we think she might have been a psychopath, you know, but she was a really strange hard individual to deal with but she was also my grandma so I still loved her you know it's when you grow up and be like oh you're not normal that's what's wrong you know you're you're kind of <laughs> wacky but her favorite song was White Rabbit and so years and years ago I learned the guitar version of it and uh, I have a friend who has like the the most famous solstice party in this little local valley we're in and um if she has enough whiskeys she'll always say play that song for me Sean because you know I was I was a I was a heavy metal singer really out of high school. You know? I went ah. like from being a hip hop dancer boy to auditioning for the heavy metal band and them telling me yes. And I used to joke that that probably saved me a quarter million dollars in therapy because I just had a microphone and I could scream at the top of my lungs. You know. <laughs> As I got older, I started to play and sing acoustic guitar, and we we had kind of more of a progressive rock band. So that was my real bread and butter back in the day. And and I, I'm not done with it, but I'm just mm -hmm. kind of starting to come back to it where where I'm doing it a lot more. I'm, I'm seeking other musicians and playing again. So thanks for saying that. It makes me feel good. It gives me a little boost. Oh, good. I hope we get to play together someday. It'd be really fun. Oh, we will. We'll, we'll make it happen. We're not that far from one another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for everyone who has connected with this work and uh, tuned in and stayed with us. I uh, really honor your presence and your place in life, your purpose in life. I know that you have a soul. If it is uh, fortunately alive, 
then there's something that you need to do on this earth. I am here for you if you're not figuring out what that is. I'm also here for you if you'd like to be valued for it by way of a business. And finally, I'm here for you if it creates a crash in your life, you fall down and need to get up in a way that's going to put you totally in alignment with who you are. So I'm glad you joined me for this King Hero interview. You can visit my website to do a King Hero archetype quiz. It takes just seven or 10 minutes to find out where you are on the path of purpose. And if you are more of a merpreneur, the women in my community who are looking to be valued for their purpose, you can do the merpreneurs archetype quiz. So one or, or the other of those, um, often people do both. And quite often women in my world end up doing the King Hero quiz because they identify more as a King Hero as, as I do. A lot of the women are out there doing that kingly job. Uh, also, as I talked about briefly, my book is coming out very shortly, Journey. By the time this interview comes out, uh, it should still be just on the precipice. It is for pre-purchase right now. So if you visit bethmartins.com and the, the tab that says buy Beth's book, at this point, there, there will be a special bonus available for a short-ish time before the, the actual birth date of the birth of the book, I mean. And uh, finally, there is a program, The King Hero's Journey. If you're interested in doing an archetype journey with me, either as a standalone program or as a coaching, personal coaching program, then you can find uh, my website, the tab that says Four Kings, and follow the links to that program. Feel free to take me up on that. So you, maybe one last thing is you'll be able to catch me in February if you want to join me out in Acapulco at a conference called Anarchapulco, where I'm going to be delivering a workshop on archetypes, and I would love to host you for that. So thank you very much, Sean, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really glad that we did this, and I hope you have a great day, Beth. I'll, I'll come back anytime if you ever want to do this again. <laughs> Likewise. I would love to host you again. Okay. Bye, everyone. It takes a lot of love